Welcome to another inspirational message from Liberty Church in Omaha, Nebraska. It was filled with what I recognized as I was preaching, prophetic Holy Spirit phraseology that I don't use. And I'm aware while I'm preaching it that it's like somebody else is talking through me. And so I want you to know that today we're going to work on that, but we're going to come from a different angle. Is that okay? I have the message broken down into three components. Do you remember that the apostles came to Jesus and they said, will you teach us to pray? Because John teaches his disciples to pray. And so the word pray is a word that just causes so many different thoughts in the hearts of people who love Jesus and the people who don't know him, but we pray, or I pray. Just the word. And Jesus said, and what I grew up Catholic, I don't know about you, but I grew up Catholic, and you had the rosary and you had the Hail Marys and the Our Father. What is referred to as the Our Father, I want to take the religion out of it, so that you hear with fresh ears, said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forget those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. All know it? Here are the components of approaching God in prayer. First you come, he's holy. If you look up and research the word prayer, Everywhere you go, it's filled with next to it, worship, worship, worship. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Worship is part of your prayer life. You don't come with a wish list. You come to worship him. Then a key word, which we'll use today, he said, thy will be done. Which means, not my will. If I was the God of heaven and earth, I'd have this thing all jacked up. By noon, it would be a mess. And so did if you were. So I want his will. I don't want the world's idea of marriage. I want his will for my marriage, for my kids, for lives to be saved. I want his will. Amen? Okay. Now, give us this day our daily bread. There are two ways you can look at bread. You can look at it as provision and that's great. Give us this day our daily bread. But I'll give you another one because he said to the woman, it's not right to give the bread to the dogs. He referred to the healing power of Jesus Christ as bread. So in prayer, there's healing as well as provision. But then there's a key thing, saints, you want to use your faith? You go to Mark eleven twenty three 23, and 24, and I believe with all my heart, and I can speak to that mountain, it'll get up, whatever I say. Got it? you got to read verse 25, because if you have ought against others, you got to forgive. So if you're going to spend time in prayer, he's going to talk to you about what's separating you from his miracles happening, for his will being done, and your outright rebellion, because you won't forgive. You won't let it go. And I like to say it this way. When you pray, and you should be praying daily, it brings about fresh forgiveness. Yes. Yeah, I forgave him two years ago. Well, what if you see him at the store? How forgiven is he? Right. Fresh forgiveness goes a long way. Yeah. 
and then delivered from destruction, evil. I, I only know of a few times, but there's got to be a lot more times, that he delivered me, my family, and my loved ones from evil and destruction. And in prayer, thank you for your covering. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you. Jesus prayed in, uh, I won't go there, I need to give him, this is in uh, John 11 about Lazarus. It says in verse 35 that Jesus wept over this situation. How often do you weep over someone you love? Jesus wept. In verses 33 and 38, it says he groaned in his spirit. Groaned. When you're praying for your wife, your husband, your kids, some of the means, like, oh Lord, does it touch you down deep inside you? And lastly, in verse 41, he said, Father, I thank you, you've already heard me. Well, the only thing we know that Jesus did is he wept and he groaned. But he said, thank you that you've already heard me. Okay? Try thanking him because he's already heard you. And he's already told you what to do. Amen? Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. Verse 5. And when you pray, don't be, uh, not as uh, the hypocrites are... For they love to pray and stand in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Of a truth I say unto you, they have received their reward. But thou, everyone in this room, when you pray, enter into your closet. And when you have shut the door, pray to the Father in secret. And your Father which sees in secret will reward you openly. I'm a pastor <clears throat> I have the privilege of praying in front of you all. But it's not for me to put on a show. It is simply to orchestrate and bring pieces together so there's edification for everybody. That's, that's what I'm called to do. But I go to my prayer closet, and it's just him and me. It's not for you all to hear. And yea, though verily I would say it. It's not that at all. Sir, good morning. I praise you. I worship you. To add into our daily life time in our jacked up schedules. Because you can make your best day plans and it never comes out exactly what that day is. Oh, I got it all figured out. No, it's going to change. It changes. One guy flipping you off at a light can change your whole attitude for the afternoon. So I'm saying is you go in your closet, you talk to him. Do you do it at night when you go to bed? Do you do it in the morning when you get up? When do you do it? I'll get it tomorrow. How often times are you going to start dieting tomorrow and you still ain't dieted? Our prayer life. That's why we're in Promise 22 of this year. Go to the proverb of the day. Read in one chapter in the epistles and just let who you are in Christ come alive to you. And then pray in the Spirit, because it says you talk unto God, not to man. He's the one I want to talk to. He, when I do it, he, it's mysteries. It says I'm praying mysteries of heaven into my life. Well, what are mysteries? Things I don't know yet, but they're on their way. I want to know them. 
I don't want to have him come and me breeze right by and not recognize my moment. Yes. Amen? Yes. Now, I'm having a good time. It says in Matthew 21, verse 22, that you got to believe when you pray, believe you receive. Where do you believe? In prayer. Who's in prayer? You and him. There's no baloney there. There's no religion. There's no formed thing. You're talking from your heart, your spirit, man. You're talking to him on his promises, receiving when you pray. And if you want to know what your proof is, it says in Hebrews 11:1, 1, now faith is. So I have a yellow slip. It could be a pink slip for a car. You might not see the car, but because I have the slip, you know the car exists. My faith is my slip saying it exists and I have it. So I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty wound up. How many times, and I'm going to go over them fast. I'm not going to read them all because i got three sections to get to. Okay? In Mark 1, Mark 14, he rose early and went to a secluded space. He got up and left the twelve and the crowds and got by himself. In the garden, he went off by himself. He knew he knew it wasn't just going to be crucifixion, which is the most gory death ever invented by the Romans. He also knew he was going to take on the sin, sickness, and disease of the world on him and be separated from his father for the first time. He knew that was coming. And he still pulls off and prays. That blesses me. He spent all day in Luke 5, going out in Luke 5, 16, healing people. Thousands, it says a multitude, that's at least a thousand men biblically. So you got men, women, and children, and he healed them all. Seven times it says Jesus healed them all. He didn't leave anybody sick for the glory of God or to make you a good little trooper. He healed them all. Healed them all. Well, I don't think Jesus heals everybody. He heals me. Yes, he does. The Mount Transformation, you got God speaking. You got the prophets. You know, it says, that didn't happen until this happened, as he was praying. How did that come about, that incredible manifestation? The one where oh, we need to build a tent in here, and this is, we're going to stay in this. Whoa, that didn't come without Jesus praying. In Luke 9, 18, when they were done praying, 11, 1, he was praying in a certain place. He had a certain place, not a, if I get around to a place, he had a certain place. I could now drive a car, and I would get up at 6 beforehand, and I would go, and I would come on this property, and I would spend time in my van praying. You know where my certain place was? My van. That was my prayer closet. Nobody else can mess with me. I'm by myself, and I'm going down, and I'm talking to them about things. Amen? Amen. In a certain place. I love, uh, <laughs> uh, in Luke, it says when Jesus was praying, an angel actually appeared and strengthened him. I just want to make sure in your heart and your mind you realize there is a supernatural world 
out there that your Heavenly Father has created, and you have ministering spirits sent to help those who are heirs of salvation, and be aware of it. We're not angel seekers, we're Jesus seekers, but be aware that they're there to help us. They hearken, they actually grow in strength, says according to the word. If you pray the word, you give them strength to bring the miracle. Amen? Amen. Now, I like this one because uh, I've gone through some things the last couple years that I wouldn't wish on anyone. And it was painful, it was hurtful, uh, all kinds of stuff. But I've never had my back ripped open with a whip. I've never been beaten with fists and clubs and then dumped into the lowest part of the dungeon and be in shackles. No way out. Two of these guys are down there. All these other prisoners around, whatever, that there's two God men down there. And instead of feeling sorry for themselves and saying, Woe is me, this wasn't supposed to happen. I'm the anointed, and this can't happen. It says, At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, and everybody heard it. Oh, you just got to be quiet. No, you don't. They weren't talking to the prisoners, they could care less about the prisoners. They were having a conference with their God. And it says the prison, not the city, the prison shook. And the doors were open and the bondages came off. And that started the Philippian church. But it says, under the worst possible conditions, you wouldn't want on anybody's life to feel that kind of pain. At midnight, they're praying anyhow. I, it also says they sang hymns. What? Too good to not believe. Midnight! Stand in faith. They got up. Quick sidebar. They stoned Paul to death. His enemies left him dead. His men came to pick up the body. And it's just three words. He got up. And I encourage you in your heart, the things you're standing for, the things you believe in, get up. Pray. Get in his presence. Worship him and thank him that he has made provision for you and your life. And you have a future. And in that future are mysteries you don't even know yet are coming your way. And I'm excited to get in there. I don't have to pray. I get to pray. Amen? If you can't tell I'm wound, you're asleep. Okay? Now, that was section one. Jesus pulled off to pray. And the components of his prayer, they asked him directly, how do you pray? He said, you pray this way. You don't have to quote the words. You have to take the very thoughts on each one and apply them to your life. And it's a great place to start. It is a great place to get to know God and know the times that you're talking to him as father and other times you're talking to him as daddy, as it says, Abba, father. My kids, I was dad. But they also understood when I was dad. And I need an answer, a prayer and supplication. I need some protection. I need help. I'm crying out to my father and my dad, bring it on, sir. I worship you and I praise you. I know I'm getting out of this mess. Now we're going to go to something. I did not give him the exact 
up at the booth the exact uh, verses because it's just too much to do. So I'm going to go to 1 Samuel. And I'll go to verse, or chapter 30. Now it says in Chronicles 127 that Ahithophel was the king's counselor. Do you remember David had nobody? He was just a stupid, ruddy, little shepherd boy who by himself worshipped the Lord with his harp. And that's where the book of Psalms comes out of his ability as a psalmist. But he's empowered by God as he worships God. Lion, bear come to take the sheep. He kills them with a sling. He's 12, 13 years old. Because when he does Goliath, he's 14 to 15. So Goliath wasn't his first fight. But you've got to remember David started somewhere. After he said, you come at me, you're cursing the name of my God, you're an uncircumcised Philistine dog. I come at you with the name of the Lord. And he takes his head off. Everybody knows it. From that point on, men came to be with David. Saul got jealous. Do you remember that? And got so jealous that one time he threw a spear and tried to kill him. Because Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. He couldn't take it. He couldn't take it. David, though, grew... And it said people came to him in debt, in despair. And there, out of that came the mighty men of David. Mighty men. Saul gets madder and madder and madder. David decides it's time to leave there. Get this. David, who killed Goliath and his four brothers, the legends of the Philistines. Philistine is broken up into five, five nations or states. And he makes a peace with one of them that he will serve that king like a police force for his kingdom. And so he and his family, at least 600 men, wives and kids, go to a town called Ziklag. I was going to say Council Bluffs. But anyhow, I know, it's too easy. They go to Ziklag in the territory of the Philistines. Imagine that. David, the living legend who killed Goliath and his brothers, is now working for a Philistine king in their country. And David's being honest, hardworking, they're doing their job. They live at Ziklag. Israel, Saul decides to attack the Philistines. All five kings are getting together saying, how are we going to do this? The king they come to Ford and say, we don't want David in your ranks. And he said, why? He's served me faithfully. I have no problems or questions. He said, no, he's a Jew. And in the heat of battle, he might turn on us. He doesn't get to fight. That king has to go back to David, who's faithful, a warrior, can run through a troop and jump over a wall in the anointing. His men have seen him in the anointing. They saw him at David, and they've seen him in other things. They know who David is. And he has to go to them and tell them, we don't get to fight, we got to go home. 
Well, the guys decide, okay, we're going to go home. It's a three-day walk. Three-day walk. Try walking to Lincoln today. Do it three times. Okay, they're going to get home. You know what they're going to get when they get home? Smooching. Mama's cooking. The kids. Yes, we got some downtime. Amen? The Amalekites, while they were gone, had come to Ziklag and raided it and burned it to the ground. I live on a block. I don't know if you live in an apartment or a block. Can you imagine your block burned to the ground? You know your neighbors. Maybe your neighbors are with you in the ranks, but your wives and kids are gone. And all your stuff is burned and taken. And that's after three days marching, what they come to see. Now again, be, any, well, Colonel, you're the easiest one. You've been in the military. You understand you, you have to keep your rank even though what you see in front of you is not what you want. You're going to stand, okay? They have to stand, and they're brokenhearted. It says in verse, this is chapter 30, verse 4, when David and his people that were with him lifted up their voice, they wept until there was no more power to weep. I, I know, I'm going to sound sexist, and I don't mean to. I, I know women can cry easily. You take an experienced soldier weeping till there's no strength left within him. That's major weeping. Not only could David feel sorry for his men, but his two wives and kids and stuff are gone too. He is hurting personally as a man every much as every one of the 600 does. But he's also the commander over them, and he hurts collectively for them. So, he inquires of the Lord. And I'm going to fill in more at, towards the end. He inquires of the Lord. Do we go after him and recover all? Personally, Jim McGaffin, Lord, I'm going after them. Anoint me because I'm going to get it all back. He doesn't say it that way. He said, do you want me to go is what he's saying. I won't go if you don't tell me to go. But it says, David, this is uh, verse, oh, six at the bottom. It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself. I don't know when you've gone through crap in life, but instead of sitting in it, how about encouraging yourself in the Lord? Get up. Shake it off. Get in the presence of God. But it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. It ain't going to change. Just think about how bad it hurts. Get up. Do something. Amen. I'm having a great time. David comes out of prayer. It's time with the Lord. Convinces the 600 to go with them. They take off. They get to a river. 200 of 400 are too exhausted to go on anymore. He, now, we're all going to go to him. We've got to fight. And a third are now staying behind with whatever stuff they have. They cross the river. The 400 to David come upon the camp. And they slaughter the Amalekites. They get not only their stuff, but all the other stuff the Amalekites had raided from other places. They get it all. But they always put the women and children and gold in the middle of the camp. So they can't get away or the valuable can't be taken. 
And so can you imagine being a wife and a mother and you're in the middle of the camp, you're going to be a slave for the rest of your life and all this stuff, and all of a sudden, here comes the 400 with David, and Dad's coming to get us. Dun, 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 and here comes Dad. And they, they annihilate the Amalekites. But there are 200 men not there, and their families are here. And they want to know where Dad is. What, how come Dad isn't here? David does one of the most incredible things. It says, when they came back over, he saluted them. Uh, that is verse 21. And David came near to the people. He saluted them. You know what that leader did? He just covered those men. He said, they stayed there on my order. Not that they were too exhausted to come get my wife and kids. The leader covered them. And I can tell you as a Christian leader, I don't cover sin, but I've covered leader after leader whose judgment or behavior needed some explaining. He covered I, I, That blows me away. David has sons, Solomon and Absalom. Solomon's going to be king. Absalom doesn't like it. Absalom decides to sit in the city gates, not at the not at the uh, castle the, 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 for the, uh, David, but at the gates. What happens at the gates? That's where the judges of the land sit and make judgments. So if you have a lawsuit against, you would go to the gates, and that's where the elders are to make judgments. Absalom started visiting the gates. Basically, he was making deals, and it says he stole the hearts of the people from David. So now Absalom wants the throne. And he feels he's got enough out there that will go with me to, to have David removed. David knows it. That's his boy. Hard to believe your own son would betray you like that. And in the process to do it right, he has to kill his dad. And David knows that. David wrote, better is one day in the house of the Lord than thousand elsewhere. He wrote that while they were coming into Jerusalem and he was still at the temple, one of the last ones to leave the city. That's how important God's anointing on his life in the midst of the worst heartbreaking trouble, he was concerned about the presence of God. Okay? David runs. There's going to be a battle. Absalom is gathering all those on the outskirts of Israel who would fight with him against David. He asks for counsel. Two guys. I'm not going to look up the second. It's H-U-N something. Sinai. They're, quote, quote, his counsel. Ahithophel, who was with David with the 300, the 600. Ziklag, he was there. He knows David's way. And he tells Absalom, let me get him while he's weary. Don't let him rest up. The other one comes back in a day and says, let us gather the numbers. Let us overwhelm him with the numbers. We'll need a few days to do that. Then we'll come after David. And... Uh, <laughs> Ahithophel... Hearing that his counsel will not be taken. 
Again, experienced commander, like a general. His advice, his counsel not taken, they took the other one. Yeah, well, get him with the numbers. That makes perfect sense, right? You know what Ahithophel does? He goes home, and this is in chapter 17, and this is about verse 23, bottom of my page. Ahithophel goes home, sets his house in order, and hangs himself. Commits suicide. I'm talking about David's prayer life. How much of a reputation does your prayer life have? In your family. Well, dad's going to pray. Mom's going to pray. Why? Because this is what happened. Ahithophel said, get him while he's weary. I asked Alan Vincent, who is a Hebrew scholar, he said, that's not exactly what it meant. It does have an element of rest and get some food. But it has rest himself in the Lord. David at Ziklag said encouraged himself in the Lord. He went and got the ephod which only the prophet could wear. What is the ephod? When God comes on and speaks. David hurting as bad as anybody could goes by himself and seeks the Lord. And he comes out of there and says, the guys want to kill him because they're all talking they're of, of killing David for causing this mess. Stoning him to death. Those same ones who want to stone him, exhausted, no strength with him, get up and go fight. Why would they do that? Why would Ahithophel say, get him before he gets alone with God? And when his advice wasn't taken, he said, it's over. I'm dead. I know it. He hung himself. It's a foregone conclusion. David's going to win and I'm going to get butchered. Might as well do it now. Might as well do it now. That's how much of a rep Ahithophel had watched this man in all kinds of wars and battles and life. This is what he saw of him. I'm asking you about your prayer life because this is the one that gets me. I can't get it out of my thinking when I get anywhere near this in Scripture. Are you ready? David encouraged himself with the Lord. What did his face look like when he came and said, we're going to go and recover all. What was the difference on his countenance? The anointing. They said, we've seen that before. We're good. We're with you, David. We've seen you before walk in the power of God after you prayed. And we'll go to war with you. Enough that Ahithophel, a general, will kill himself because he knows if David gets along with God, Ain't a chance. It's over. Think on that. Jesus says, get away by yourself. Go in your prayer closet. Seek him early and you'll find him. It says in Psalms. Every one of us, if you would take the time. I'm just, I, I came at the first year, I believe the Holy Spirit gave me the plan of Promise 22, that it will change your prayer life. It'll change your expectation. But that's just a place to start. Why couldn't you pray in tongues 20 minutes? Why couldn't you sing in the Spirit? Why couldn't you just worship Him? Read some more Word. Read some more. Why not? What was on His face when He came out? It was the same was on His face when He said, I'll cut your head off today. I'll take you down. Your prayer life. 
the Our Father, against all evil and destruction. You're not touching my family. You're not touching my loved ones. You want to fight? I'll recover them all. And anything stolen from me over these years, I'm recovering it all. Because that's what he says I can do. Now I'm already preach myself so yes. It can't be repeating the same prayer over and over and over again which means nothing to you. It can't be praying for a show to other people. This kind of prayer comes out of your spirit and you can't fool God or anyone else or yourself. It's either real or it's not. Well, Jim, I'm not like you. You're you're more John Wayne and I'm more laid back. It don't matter. Said the 120 prayed and they're all in one accord. 120 different personalities and yet they're all in one accord and the power came. 120, one accord, the power came. All different personalities. Like the healing power of Jesus just touching you today. There are people in this room that are getting answers and revelation and getting your spirit. And it says, stir up the gift that's within you. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do to stir up the gift in you for your prayer life and your expectancy of God's best. I, I, I don't know another way to live and I find it so hard to People live without Jesus? Really, people live with, what hope do they have? They change what's right and wrong every day at a whim. What hope do you have if you don't know him? And when I get jacked up and I screw up and miss the mark, that's called sin in the King James. I go to my father sincerely And ask him to forgive me. And he does what I would do to my kids. That's okay, son. I forgive you. He'd put his arm around me. I did my kids growing up. He'll do it to me. He'll do it to you. There's not anything you have committed, particularly since knowing Jesus, that will separate you from getting intimate with Jesus every day. Every day. Every day. Now, in the Old Testament, we, we talked about digging ditches a week or two ago. The prophet didn't speak until the psalmist played. There was something about worship that brought the Holy Spirit to play where he could talk to his people. And so now it used to be you have to, you get a little 45, then you get a 33, you got to have the record player. Okay, oh, then we got cassettes, then we got eight tracks, now we got discs and whatever. You can get on your phone and listen to any song you want. So I don't want to hear, I don't have any favorite worship songs because you ain't listening to them. They're all now available, for the most part, free. And you can play the same song. We were getting a meal uh, at a restaurant, and over the loudspeaker came, how many remember a group called Chicago? They're only the greatest rock group ever, 37 platinum albums. Nobody's even close to them. But their trademark song, Song goes 25 to 64. We're sitting in a restaurant and the song comes over the speakers. 
And immediately Deborah and I go, Chicago. <laughs> Chicago. Why? Because it's embedded in my emotions and my memory, a delight that I enjoy that song. Get some from Jesus. And not only get them in your memory and your emotions, get them out of your heart where you groan, where it becomes moving inside you to edify you, to encourage you. It is a weapon. God says, I will come down and sit upon your situation with power. That's what it says. God inhabits the praise of his people to still the avenger. Dad will come down and sit down on this if you'll just take time to praise him. You don't have to be like me. You certainly don't need to sound like me when I worship. <laughs> like I said, I make a joyful noise. I didn't say it was quality. But I listened to my kids singing. They sang flat and they did nothing but bless my heart because they were singing. Amen? Now, New Testament praying examples. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Already used it. They're in one accord, and they prayed in the upper room. Continued with one accord, prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the brother. 120 of them up there. Everybody was included. I love the mother of Jesus and his brothers. People don't you think that Jesus had brothers, he had a family. Anyhow, in chapter 4, verse 31, it says, When they prayed, the place was shaken. And the Holy Ghost manifested, and there was boldness given to them. Boldness. That's why it says, Come boldly to the throne room of grace to attain grace and mercy in time of need. Don't come as a coward. Oh, I'm so unworthy. No, you're not. You're worthy because Jesus paid the price. I get everything because of him, not because of me and my works. The ministry was growing really big in Acts, and the apostles were taking care of everything, and they realized that they needed some help. That's what we now call in some church groups deacons. Basically, they're table waiters. They're ushers. They're people who help facilitate. It was help feeding the widows and the orphans and stuff like that. They were going to pick out men full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. And it says, and when, this is chapter 6, verse 4, when they had prayed over them. What I'm saying is, I can look at a bunch of people and it looks good, but I want to hear what he has to say. Are they the right people? Because I might not know about the betrayal or the hidden sin in someone's life, but God does. You might pick out the wrong person. Hallelujah, here we're going. Now, there's a man who's not a Christian. We stood in what they believe is his house when we were in Israel. Not a Christian. But he believed in the Jewish God and gave alms. In other words, he gave money to support the works. His name was Cornelius. And you have going on in one place, Peter up on the rooftop at a time of prayer and fasting, and you have Cornelius over here praying to God, and he's asking, I want more of you. What is there out there? Okay? 
And so it comes down to Peter, and God gives him a vision, basically saying, don't call anything that I created unclean. Go with the man. There's a man coming to get you. Go with him and do what I tell you is what he said. Goes all the way over to Cornelius' house. He shares the gospel. Shares the gospel. Who Jesus is. We've seen him. We've touched him. He was dead and we have touched him. Cornelius and all his household, large group, gets born again. Oh! When they had prayed for him to receive Jesus, something happened. The Holy Ghost fell upon them. They didn't know what the Holy Ghost was or what that would be. But when they had prayed, God got supernaturally involved in what was going on. When we, in one accord, pray together, I want you to know the Holy Spirit comes upon us and collectively together we are more effective than one could put a thousand, two can put ten thousand. We got more than two here. Times it out. Prayer. And I'll go back. Okay. Jesus prayed one time, Luke 22, verse 32. He prayed for Peter's faith not to fail him. Why is that important? Jesus played a part in restoring Peter. Peter said, I'll never, they all will. I won't, I won't deny you. Peter denies him. Remember, he's when they pulled the sword and cut off the servant's ear. He's ready. And then he runs like a coward. He stays at a distance. While they're going to go in there and put Jesus through the fake trial, he's out warming himself at a fire because it's cold. You all remember? Jesus said to him, I have prayed, Jesus, I have prayed that your faith fail you not. Satan wants to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed. How is that important? Peter and the apostles, not knowing what to do, they went back to fish. He had a fishing business. He had employees. Guys, remember that? He goes out there. They can't catch a thing. Jesus standing at the side. I didn't offend them. They have a place they have to be, okay? See you guys. My point is this. He didn't know what to do. He'll just go back to what I know naturally. All this that I've observed for the last three years, I, 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 yeah. and they go to fish, they don't catch anything, which is not going to help the pocketbook at all. And there's Jesus standing on the shore. Peter recognized Jesus, and he takes off some of his clothes and dives in. And he comes to the shore. Jesus has a fire going, and he's cooking some fish for him to eat. Pretty good idea. Significance of your prayer, every bit of it matters. Jesus prayed that your faith would not fail you. It appeared at this point, Peter's pretty much gone down the toilet. Now it's Jesus. He's cooking dinner. Why is that important? We were there on that shore at the Sea of Galilee, and it has all this driftwood. I mean, you can start a fire. You've got plenty of firewood everywhere. You know what? It says that it's a fire of coals, not of wood. Peter's warming his hands at a fire of coals. Romans used coals, Jews did not. 
that was spoken to us by the doctor. Dr. Susan. She trains all the tour guides of Israel. Dr. Susan Marcus. And she's the one who said, this is a historical fact. We don't use fire of coals. Romans did. Jesus, with all that driftwood available to him, has a fire of coals. And it's there that he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Why is that important? Denied him, denied him, denied him. I want you to see Jesus' prayer. He's now participating with the prayer that he made. The same way Peter left, Jesus took the time, having risen from the dead, to restore Peter the same way, through the fire of coals. The same three. Do you love me? Do you love me? You'll get involved with your prayer, and as you walk out your day, you're going to walk out some of your prayers. You will participate in your prayer life. Because he's going to speak through you, use you to make a difference. That's what he's going to do. He used me. Amen. I'm, I'm... Romans 8.26 Verse 26, and I'm going into the Amplified. In the same way the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what prayer to offer or even how to offer it as we should. But the Holy Spirit himself knows our need and the right time. He intercedes on our behalf with groaning in deep words. You got a prayer partner. When you're stuck and you're not sure exactly how or what to pray, you got somebody there who does. I have gone through, and you have enough stuff in life that I don't know which way is up sometimes that I need help in my prayer. And you got yourself a partner at that moment. Don't ever think you're alone or by yourself. You are not. In Thessalonians 5.17 says we're to pray without ceasing. Well, I mean, I got to get alone in the closet. I got to go to job. How about pray without ceasing? How about praying in the car, worshiping in the car? How about muttering under your breath, which is called meditation in Joshua 1.8? Mutter to yourself. Like, re-chewing on the food. Just stay on it. You got to do some main mundane thing. I got... <laughs> I had the privilege, when we were at 60th Street, to mow and to kill weeds. That became my prayer closet. Nobody get a hold of me, I'm not having any phone. I'm going to talk to the Lord the whole time. Pray without ceasing. Well, I don't know if I can do it. Try it. Try it. Ephesians 16, 18 says, pray all prayer and supplication. Supplication is an official thing. So Mark, my son, who was a youth minister at the time, would come down from second floor in his office and come and knock on my door and says, Dad, okay. Normally he'd just walk in. Dad, okay. 
Yeah, son, come on in. Okay, he closes the door. In other words, nobody else is going to hear this. He said, can we talk? And he has a list of things that he wants counsel on and help with that he wants to hear from me. He is supplicating, communicating. We could have gone and got a pizza and talked about this, but this is more, this is serious. Someone's life's on the line, career's on the line. These things I'm going to bring in officially. Father, I need answers here. I want to talk to you about this. You understand? All manner of prayer and supplication. Amen. Amen. Philippians 1, verse 4. You know, I lay in a hospital room, and I cannot tell you how many times it went down the list in my mind of your faces to pray for you. I lived through, if you will, what Paul says, in my prayers I make remembrance of you. In my prayers, he's remembering people. In our prayers, please pray for the pastors of this church. Please pray for the members of this church. But Paul said, in all my prayers, I give, in my remembrance, I give prayer for you. I've been praying for your wife. Favor on her. She's, she's out in Las Vegas doing that competition thing. Just favor on her. You are a blessed man. Her face comes up. You pray. Anytime someone's face comes up, you might want to pray. Well, I don't know what's going on. He can either tell you, and if it's none of your business, you don't need to know. Just pray the promises of God. There's a lot of stuff I don't want to know. Let alone, I, do I need to know that stuff? I'd like to take a bunch of stuff that I know and get it out of here over the years. But if I need to know something, he's going to equip me. He'll show me. He'll reveal it to me. And my kids say, how did you know that, Dad? I said, I pray. I never want to feel like God was a, uh, like a, a private investigator watching him, telling me stuff. But I wanted to know that I pray for them, and I talk to God about them, and they know I do. They know I do. Amen? Amen. Philippians 4.16. How many are so worried that you've watched on TV? Oh, it's so bad. I don't know what I'm going to do. How about being careful for nothing? Don't be full of care about this world. The righteous will not be out begging bread. We have promises that they don't even comprehend of how God will supernaturally cause our oil not to run out. How when you have no money, I drove three days on empty. It was beyond the empty stick. Empty. How'd you do that? Prayed, just decided to do it. Would I do that every time? I have to pray first. I wouldn't want to do it in my flesh. You know what? I'll do it a second time. First time was fun. Again, you can smile as a Christian, and there are things that are fun to enjoy. Okay? Be careful for nothing. But in everything, those things you'd be all full of care. Why don't you, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, pray? Well, I'll take my health. I, yeah, okay, I'm not going to take care of that. I'm going to cast it over on the Lord. I will pray, and I'm going to be thankful. Why would you be thankful? Because you got the answer. Yes. Amen. It's called faith. 
Amen. Two more scriptures. You good? Yeah. James 5, 16. Confess your faults or your weaknesses one to another. That would be interesting if we were actually flat out honest and we say, I screwed up, I need some help from my brother and sister in the Lord, rather than that word being used to give them a hard time and get on Facebook and everybody else knows. Don't get me started there. It would be great if we as a church could come together and say, I screwed up this week, I really need some help in prayer. It's been, it's been one of those days. Amen. Or oh me. That you may be healed. How could I get healed? Ooh, by getting rid of those faults and being honest between. Healing comes a number of ways. How about just being honest before the Lord? Healing can flow to you. Amen. Okay. That you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effectual. That means it is fully lined out. It's not a happenstance. It's not a, as I just drive by. I've taken some time and I've laid it out. This is what it is. Now fervent. You got to get there. Drove home one day with Mark and my uh, granddad. We were between 100 and 32nd, 144th on L Street. A tornado was coming over Omaha and my car got hailed on and totaled that day. The windshield where Mark and I are praying in tongues was waving at us. But you know why I was fervent? Because I got two boys at home that dad's got to get to. Fervent. I got to have it. I won't back off. I won't let up. I won't give in. No compromise. You want to fight? You got it. That kind of prayer that kind of prayer avails much. Amen. Not bless the Lord, and these I guess we're about to receive from the body through Christ, O Lord, amen. Equal to rub a dub dub, thanks to the grub, yea, God. How effectual in heaven was that? Zero. Fervent. How much of a fighter are you? Well, I'm this sweet person. I'm a teddy bear most of the time. Until it's time not to be the teddy bear. And most of us say, don't touch my family. Don't touch my church. Not a good time. You don't want to do that. Amen. Fervent. I mean it. You can count on it. Well, I'll pray. Will you? Yeah, I need you to pray. Hallelujah. Now, I have discovered since all that has gone with me, I have to relearn to do a bunch of stuff. And that is, I never thought about walking before and what muscles it takes to do it. But it comes from your brain, through your spinal cord, into your hips, and you don't even think about it. Guess what? I get to think about it now. Because I have to tell it what to do each step. Am I complaining? No, I'm not. I want you to hear my point. While laying in bed and then having to get up, and that is something I have to do. 
I was lifting weights. I was working out. I was somewhat overweight. But you know what? I wasn't weak. I was not weak. And I'd go to, go to the spa and I'd do my benches and I'd do my curls and my yank downs. Okay? Don't do that for 10 months. See what shape your muscles are in. So you know what? Now, not only do I have to relearn this, but I've lost so much strength in my body. And you know what i got to do? I've got to build myself up. I've got to redo it. Yesterday I walked from, with the walker from my garage down the slanted driveway, up past four houses to the corner and back and up. First time. Is it important that you go along? If you want to build yourself up, I got to get these muscles stronger. I got to get the tone back. Okay? Why do you say that? Jude, verse 20. You want to build yourself up spiritually? Anybody? It says, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. There's no connotation if you're a girl or a guy, if you're little or you're older. There's, there's no qualification or disqualification. If you want to be strong in the Lord, he just showed you how you can build yourself. I have to do this every day. And you know what? I'm stronger. Did 350 feet with a cane. Not the walker. Have you had a setback or two? Yeah. Here and there. You know what? Got up. And he went back after it. And I'm just trying to bring you an example. I'm not boasting on me in any way, shape. I boast on him because it's been his spirit, his presence, his strength that has seen me through it all. And he'll see you through every bit of it. I just want you earnest, strong, passionate about praying and building a relationship with the Savior who wants to do miracles through you. Not only with you, for you, but through you to others. To see their lives changed. Lead someone to Jesus, and now you know they're not going to hell, and their name's in the Lamb's book of life because of you. Wow! There's no pain in that body. Why? Because of you. The depression's leaving, the oppression of the Satan gone because I broke their authority and their power and cast them out. You could do that? Yes. My point to you all, I want you on fire. I want you so on fire for Jesus that people have to come watch us burn. What is that fire? Well, that's the church. Those are saints on fire for Jesus. You need him. Everyone in here needs him. Closer and closer. More intimate. I married the Felders. What a great privilege. But I've watched them and watched them grow deeper in love and in family than when we started. Our relationship with the Lord is supposed to grow from first was so exciting and grow deeper and deeper and deeper. We don't know what they'll look like in 20 years, do we, Colonel? But it's going to be good. Everyone in here, we are to grow older with him. 
I wish I understood faith in high school. But I gave my life to Jesus at 19, first year college. I wish I would have made other decisions in high school. How many would have with, before the Lord, other decisions? You know what? Since then, I've had a relationship, can have and will have better relationship with my Savior. And I want that for everyone here. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, the time is right now. Not trying to embarrass you at the same time, he said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. The key to getting born again is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, 2 Corinthians 5.17. To believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. If you raise your hand today, I'll pray with you, and you'll get born again. You'll have a divine destiny that you didn't have five minutes ago. Anyone at all, and I'll pray with you. Never let this time pass. If you personally have been offended at God in time, days, years past, where something you put out to Him and it didn't happen and you were hurt, I ask you to return your heart to Him. He didn't hurt you. The situation in life did. And there's a way to get away from that holding you back there and catapulting to what God has for you in the future. But he's not a mean God, and he didn't try to teach you a lesson or pay you back. He's a good God. As I would bless my kids, you be blessed to have him as your father. Just that simple. And when I'm weak, I say, then I'm strong because I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. And that power is inside of me. To you be endued with power from on high. The, the bozos up in the upper room got filled with the Holy Ghost. Lo and behold, two chapters later, they're walking to the church time of prayer. There's a man crippled that must have been there for years anyhow. Jesus and his team walked by this guy anyhow. This time the guy said, Look, wants money. And he said, Silver and gold I don't have. Such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, stand and walk. Everyone in here has power by the Holy Spirit to be used in miraculous ways. You have to believe it. And when you believe it in your heart, then you act on it. When you believe it in your heart, you speak it out your mouth. And that's called a walk by faith. Amen? Amen. Well, that guy must be crazy. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time I've been a accused of that, but what is most important is there's a supernatural way to love. I can't love Deborah. If I love Deborah with the love of the world, we'd probably be divorced by now. Because that love doesn't work. It doesn't forgive. It takes a break. We were on a break. We, it's our relationship. No, I don't have a relationship with Deborah. I have a covenant in Jesus Christ with Deborah. And a covenant, three people, Jesus, me, and her. You can't love without the Holy Spirit. 
and let him, let him help you, direct you to love on people who just need it. I mean, people need it. It says that they recognize because they had love one for another. They recognize the Christians. We're supposed to stand out, not hide out. We're supposed to stand out, never hide out. One more story. We're with Mick and Karen Diener, Youth for Christ. Time out at Louisville Lakes. And we're in the water. And a kid falls off the high board onto a cement slab. I'm standing in the water with a crowd around them. And I said, those people don't know what they're doing. I hear inside me, you know what to do. I'm in the water. I'm relaxing. Lord, what? There's 30 people around this kid. He's screaming. You know what to do. So I walked over. They're right. They didn't know what to do. Even the lifeguard, who I dated in high school, which is unusual that she'd be the lifeguard, didn't inhibit me. I went over and I prayed on that boy's knees. And it was like a bowling ball already filled with blood black. The ambulance is coming down the access road. You can hear going off. And I pray for him. He's instantly healed. Instantly healed. I go back in the water. I go, when it's time to leave, we go in the men's locker room. And he's there. And he said, you, 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 you're that guy. You did that Jesus thing on me. He's got to be 12, 13 years old. And I said, would you rather go to the hospital and be operated on it? You just want your leg healed. He goes, I want it healed. I said, there you go. And then we left. It's not the end of the story. A few years later, I'm teaching a youth camp. Friday night, the kids have had it. They don't want to hear me. I'm the last one. Got a couple guys that are picking their nose and grabbing other areas of their body, just trying to cause a distraction. They're the, they're the leaders in the group. I get tired of trying to teach them, so I start, okay, I'll tell you miracles that I've done. And I give them three or four, and then I get to this one. And they're like, until kid, about where the colonel is, raises his hand. And I said, what is it? And he goes, I'm the boy you prayed for. Atmosphere changing in the room real quick. I'm the boy. Only God, remember we just prayed about timing? God can put some things in timing that you couldn't figure out if you wanted. We're not that smart. We're not that good at this. But we can follow the one who is. We can hear his voice and do his will. And that's fun. You don't think I left that night going, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He knew. But if I had never acted on what he said and pray for the boy in front of all those people and the girl I used to date. Weren't you embarrassed? Didn't care. He's hurting. And when you cut through the mustard of all the junk and get to the very core of why you're praying, it gets very easy to pray with fervent, earnest prayer. I don't want him hurt. I don't want him sick. I don't want him losing. I want him winning. I want him to have peace that passes all understanding. Not anxiety all the time. Amen? Amen. I believe the Holy Spirit's better than medication. Are you against medication? No, I've got to take some of it. No. But I'll tell you what, 
one moment in the Holy Spirit, like Sheila just had, I'll take that over a pill any day. That means I tolerate it for the rest of my life. No, 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 no. Amen? You got the power. Get the expectation. Enter into prayer with a new intensity. Amen? Okay. Is there anyone here that needs prayer in their body? You, you, you're sore or you're sick? Anyone? Come on, anybody else? We got two. Three. Anyone else? Okay. I know at least four people in here have gifts of healing. Get to work. Hands up. Shelly, the big boy, and Tammy. Let's go, saints. Pray. Release the anointing in your life. Release the anointing in your life. Can two pray with them? Yes. Why not? Just take a moment, we're going to listen to the song, and then I'll dismiss you. Okay? Just take a moment. I've touched some areas in your heart. Put them before the Lord. Be honest with yourself first, and then be honest with Him. I've lived stories that have proved your faithfulness. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. There are gifts inside of each person here that need to be released so that you function as a life giving part to help somebody else. Faith, healing, miracles, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning the spirits, prophecy, tongues and interpretation, all flow by the Holy Ghost. I'm going to make sure we have chances to take time because we give Him glory and we give Him honor. He's, like you said, he do it works. Well, he's one. He, he does it. Oh, yeah. oh, the miracles we'll see. You're too, too good, good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Oh, we love you, Lord. I can't resurrect a man with my own hands. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that our church members are be here today. Those that are watching. They sense people walk in to your presence and what you have planned for this year. Just give you glory and honor for the miracle. The breakthrough. Oh, Jesus. If you ever wonder about your gift, the person that moves is what moved with Jesus if he was moved with compassion. You look at a person and your heart opens up, compassion begins to rise. Then get up. I didn't hear the word, get up and move. As they went, they were healed. Why don't you get up? And as you went, you get involved.
back to at least one answered prayer, one miracle God did. He's too hard not to believe. He touched you right where you're at, right where your life is. And I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen metal plates dissolve. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Because I've seen real life resurrection. I've seen mental health restore. Don't you tell me he can do it. Don't you tell me he can do it. I've seen families reunited. Yes, Lord. I've seen families return. Don't you tell me he can do it. Don't you tell me he can do it. I've seen troubled souls delivered. I've seen addicts finally free.
Amen means so be it in my life. You know, when you have a song that's that repetitious, wow. Imagine what it's going to be like in heaven when they sing hallelujah eternally. But every time they say it, it's as if they've never said it before. When you tell the Lord you love him, it should be like, this is my first time. I have a challenge for you. We're going to go down and enjoy Chuck and Sue and the kids. I encourage you to come down and at least get a piece of cake and uh, say hi and hug a neck. But uh, I have a challenge for you. I want you this week, in your prayer time, to have a David prayer time. I want you to come out of your prayer closet with something on your face. An anointing, a presence. I want you to come out on fire, fervent. It'll change you. Miraculous, it'll change you. How long do I have to stay? Until. You're not doing it by works. You're doing it by love. Spend some time with him. Amen? Amen. Now we're scheduled Wednesday night. We have service here. It has been outstanding. If you have not come, and the Holy Spirit is also showing up big time as well. So I encourage you to come. You'll grow. Sunday, we're going to have a great Sunday service, but we're having a family get together afterwards. The importance is we are, it says they broke bread daily. They, they met in the temple to pray, but they also broke bread daily. There's something very important about fellowship. And that, my pastor would say, that's two fellows in the same ship. Well, I cannot have fellowship with you if you stay home. But I'm going to come. I want you to come. The baptisms are important, particularly for those who are going to be baptized. It's a, remember this, the rest of my life moment. And we're supposed to be that cloud of witnesses of faith to support them. And then, hey, throw the eggs, spit the seeds. We're going to have fun. We're planning on hopefully having some bouncy houses for the kids let alone the sprinkler system. We'll have a good time. And those who want to go out for volleyball, here we go. But I encourage you, we have downstairs now, Wednesday night, next Sunday night. All of them are important. It's not stuff just to do. There's a deeper meaning in the spirit for this church at this time to be involved. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. And yes, Mike, cake's up here. Therefore, you can get there before any of the kids. Before any of the selfish people, you can get it. there. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We always want to encourage those of you who have a story of how God is working in your life through this ministry to send us an email to amen at libertyofomaha.com. For more information on Liberty Church, visit libertyofomaha.com. Thanks for joining us and have a credible week.